Welcome back to the Funding University podcast. I am your host, Seth Block. In this month's podcast, we decided to switch things up a bit, and I'm on the other side of the microphone. Interviewing me is Brady Hicks, managing editor of Channel Vision Magazine. Brady and I have a wide-ranging discussion about interest rates, managing debt, mergers, and acquisitions, as well as changes to SBA lending programs. We touch on a variety of subjects, all revolving around what you need to know about changes in the financial landscape and how they can impact your business plans. I hope you find our conversation useful and informative. And with that, let's get started. Okay, welcome everybody once again to CVTV right here, channelvisionmag.com. And joining us right now, I'm really excited to catch up with him. It's been a hot minute, I think. Uh, but we have Seth Block. Seth is the uh, executive vice president for Thumware Credit. Seth, this is your company. I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself and Thermo Credit. So Thermo Credit is an asset-based lending company. Uh, what's unique about Thermo Credit is that we focus exclusively on the communications slash technology industries. Uh, we started off doing telecommunications 21 years ago. Obviously, telecommunications has changed and and so we now say that we work with companies who are doing communications and technology well when you talk about communications providers in particular uh, i know the interest rates have just been absolutely out of whack how concerned should the provider be well i think anybody uh, should be concerned about interest rates right now just because particularly if they already have a current loan because most of these loans are going to have what they call a debt service covenant in them and that debt service covenant measures the amount of debt that you're paying versus the amount that you're making. And if that debt goes substantially higher, it's going to affect your debt service covenant ratio and could possibly put you in default with your bank. And we are seeing that. On top of that, because these debt service covenants are harder to meet, uh, banks have gotten tighter on their lending practices. So yeah, everybody should be a little bit worried about it. Sure. Uh, so these changes in interest rate, how does it affect a company's ability to, for example, maybe obtain credit or um, uh, impact maybe current loan arrangement agreements, that kind of stuff? Sure. So we already touched on, touched on that a little bit with the debt service coming. That's certainly affecting uh, current loan arrangements. Uh, and interest rates are absolutely affecting new loans as well. But there's something else that's affecting new loans. And that is we've actually seen a dip in liquidity at the banks. Uh, one of the things that's causing that is the fact that the Fed, uh, you remember this debt ceiling crisis that was going on about a month and a half ago? Yeah. So as a result of that, the debt ceiling got raised and then the Fed now has to fill the coffer, so to speak. So how do they do that? They issue treasury bonds to do that. And they are going to issue somewhere between five and $600 billion in treasury bills. And the effect of that is, is that folks that would have you know, put money into CDs or money market funds are now buying treasury bills, which means money is coming out of the bank. And the way that the bank lends money is they do it based on deposits. And those deposits are shrinking. And therefore, we're actually seeing a credit contraction right now. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. 
Uh, maybe for a company that's looking to uh, make an acquisition in the service provider space, um, are the interest rates going to be an obstacle for them? Well, they're a little bit of an obstacle. I mean, just just obtaining credit is an obstacle. I mean, there, and we'll uh, I'll, I'll be happy to talk about some other sources besides just the banks. But I kind of look at at this time as, and I'm going to say this and realize it's it's not a typical time in the home buying market. But the general rule on buying a house is you want to buy when interest rates are high. Because when interest rates are high, people have to lower the price of their house so that you can afford the mortgage on that house. So by buying a house when interest rates are high and prices are low, puts you in a great position to get a great deal on a house and then just refinance it uh, when interest rates come back down because they always do. I would say that if you're looking at acquisitions, the same rule applies. If you're looking to buy a business, businesses are under stress right now. You know, companies that are not well capitalized are going to have some issues right now. It creates opportunities for other folks. You can do acquisitions, even though interest rates are high, you can drive the price down of that business because that's what's going on in the marketplace. So on the one hand, it's harder to get financing for acquisitions. On the other hand, it's a great time to be doing acquisitions. Well, let's talk about the SBA 7A program. I know there have been some changes to it recently. Uh, how does that affect the provider's chances to get an, an acquisition actually funded? You know, actually, that is one of the really good things that's happening right now. Uh, the SBA program, the main program that people use to do acquisitions is called the SBA 7A program. And that program has had some substantial changes to it. And those changes are starting to be implemented as we speak. Uh, probably the biggest change to that is the fact that you no longer have to buy 100% of the stock of a company. You can now buy 60% stock in that company and still qualify for the SBA loan. The great news there is that you can have a former owner that can stay in up to 40%. Uh, he would have to sign a personal guarantee for that loan if he stayed in. But if he stays in at 19.9%, he can stay in and not have to sign a personal guarantee. So that's a real plus, And it's attractive to former owners, uh, that, particularly if they have a lot of confidence in the buyer, uh, that they can stay in and still appreciate the upside. Uh, the other thing that's changed is that the old rules required that the former owner lead the business entirely. Whereas now they can stay in the business. That's that's a big change. Uh, it allows you to structure deals differently. Um, the last thing, uh, I mean, there were several changes, but the last thing that I think is really good is that they've changed the rules on seller notes. So it used to be, if you did a seller note, uh, they required that there be a standby provision in that seller note. And the way standby provisions work is, it basically says that former owner is not getting any of his principal or any of his interest until the SBA loan is paid off. To put that in perspective, if it's a seven-year loan, he's got to stand by for seven years before he gets any of his principal or any of his interest. Now, the interest can accrue during that time, but it can't be paid. The new rules say that it that the standby provision only has to be in place for two years. 
Uh, so, so when we talk about a seller note, we're talking about a note that the former owner is going to take. Uh, let's say it's a million dollar uh, acquisition, and the SBA is going to put up six hundred thousand, and the uh, buyer is going to put up two hundred thousand in cash. The seller can take a note for two hundred thousand, and then the the company will pay him that once the rules allow that to be done. So you can do a standby provision and start paying on it two years after the loan is, is implemented. Again, that's a big plus for former owners. They're going to be much more likely to do a seller note if they only have to wait two years to get paid as opposed to seven or even 10. Um, so that's a real plus if you're doing an acquisition. So there is some good things going on right now. And I think the changes to the SBA program are definitely part of that. Uh, so the burning question for me, at least, uh, if credit is so tight for everybody, what makes Thermo Credit Services, um, you know, more valuable than, say, just a bank loan? Well, so here's the thing about, about Thermo Credit. Because we are a non-regulated independent lender, we're not a bank. And because of that, we're not regulated by the Fed. We don't survive on customer deposits. You know, we get our money from uh, our contributed capital that we put in, you know, lender finance that we get. Uh, we're not being driven by the banks. So it's a different set of rules. And it's always been a different set of rules. So we're not impacted near as much as a bank is. Um, and because of that, we continue to lend. Uh, we really focus on opportunities, uh, particularly acquisitions. And uh, our practices have not changed. You know, rates are a little bit higher just because everybody's paying higher rates. But, you know, myself and other asset-based lenders are a great option for folks if they can't get bank financing or they can't get an SBA loan or they don't want to put up the personal guarantees that those are going to require because most asset-based lenders will do a loan uh, without a personal guarantee. They may require a validity guarantee, but uh, you can usually negotiate a personal guarantee out of the equation. Okay. And you kind of touched on it, but if bank financing or, or the SBA aren't options for a business, uh, what can they do? There's a lot of things they can do. Uh, there's a lot of options out there. Um, there is several different types of alternative lenders, and, and I'll just kind of rattle through them. Uh, you've got purchase order financing. If you're doing business with uh, a, a big box vendor like Walmart or Best Buy or someone like that, you can use purchase order financing to finance that purchase order, pay for the inventory, and then get wait and then wait to get paid by that vendor uh, or that customer. Uh, that's one option. The other option are is factoring. If you've got receivables, you can factor those invoices. The bar for credit is very low uh, because they're really focused in on the account debtor or your customer, not your business. So if your business has had a hiccup, you can still qualify for factoring. As a matter of fact, if you're a new business, you can still qualify for factoring. Uh, and it's a it's a great tool. It allows businesses to scale up. Uh, and so does purchase order financing. And those two actually work hand in hand really well. Uh, if you want to look at getting something that's a little closer to a bank line, there's asset-based loans. And asset-based loans work just like a line of credit, except that the limit is based on the collateral of the company, not your last three years performance. So if a company 
has receivables and inventory and equipment, they can put all that together, create a borrowing base. And let's say that borrowing base is a million dollars. That's your credit limit. You draw down as little or as much as you want on that credit limit. And you can use that when your business has dips or when you need to make purchases. It's just a great tool to have in place. Uh, asset-based lending is a little more expensive than bank financing, but not that much more. So there are, I mean, we can talk all day long about options. There's equipment lending and leasing and all those types of things. But those three I just mentioned are probably the best tools. Uh, the other, I'll mention one other one. Uh, there's merchant cash advance loans. Uh, those are are a hot lending tool right now. Uh, I, I run across companies every day that have taken out one, two, three merchant cash advances. Uh, and those, I don't recommend those a lot because they're very expensive. The interest rates can be uh, north of 100%. Um, so I always tell people, you know, use a merchant cash advance if you've got a crisis. Uh, you know, the IRS is coming down on you for payroll taxes or something like that. You need to get a settlement done with them. Uh, merchant cash advances can certainly help there. Or if you've got a great opportunity, you know, if you've got an opportunity to buy a, a failing business that you can bring on and add, you know, $50,000 a month to your bottom line, if you pay a hundred grand in interest over a year, you know, that's probably not a bad thing if you're dropping 50 grand a month to your bottom line. So uh, they're very expensive, but they can be a useful tool. So it sounds like there are a couple options out there then, Seth. Uh, if people want more information on the services that ThermoCredit offers, and even just to keep up with the company and what it's up to, uh, where can they go online? So they can go online at thermocredit.com. Uh, and all my contact information is there. I'm happy to talk to folks uh, about options they may may have. If I can't come up with a solution, you know, I've got 4,000 other lenders in my database. I'm sure I can find someone that can help them. That's fantastic. Seth, thank you so much for the time. A real education. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a lot of fun, Brady. Of course, absolutely. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, but be sure to visit ThermoCredit online. And while you're online, don't forget to also check out ChannelVisionMag.com. On there, you can find archived versions of, of podcasts and CVTVs and webinars and lots of great digital content right there on demand on the website, channelvisionmag.com. And of course, on behalf of ThermoCredit, this is CVTV. Everybody take care.